What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number five of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at readyplaymovies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, Please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new, new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is February 9th, 2021. I'm your host, Louis Menchaca, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Troy Bracey. Hey, how's everybody doing? Troy here. Uh, this is going to be a great show. So let's do this, Louis. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and get into the, the stuff that we're watching here because not, nothing really big happening as far as housekeeping goes. So let's just get into some impressions here. Troy, okay. the biggest thing obviously has to be WandaVision. We, we, keep, we keep on talking about it week to week and everything, and every week, somehow, some way, the show keeps one-upping itself every week. And uh, I was oh, yeah. initially, like, lukewarm on it. Like, I was, my hype, le- my, our hype levels were through the roof, but then, like, the first two episodes came out, and they were, like, sort of all right and everything like that. But then we start getting more and more context to the grander and bigger scope of things, and we start to realize, like, this is basically a movie right here. Yeah. Um, and some big bombshells were dropped on us here. So what do you think? Should we, like, get into spoilers? Should we give a spoiler warning? Or should we just keep it, uh, um, you know, keep it casual here? Well, I think with this particular episode, I think we should get into spoilers and, and let the, let everybody know that we're going to do some spoiler talk because there's some big things that dropped in this episode. All right, all right. So if you guys check a look, take a look at the show notes, I have time codes. You can go ahead and skip to the next, uh, the next segment or the next impressions. Um, so yeah, let's just, this is going to be your, your spoiler warning here. All right. Obviously, the very big thing that happened in um, in WandaVision was the end. We get like stuck with like this huge like revelation that Pietro is back, but it's not Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's it's actually Evan Peters from the X-Men movies. So what do you think? Is this is this a fake out or is this like a, is this the real deal? Are we getting the X-Men like crossing over into the MCU? Is this a multiverse thing? You know, I don't I'm not really fully sure, but I did, here's the thing. Like I feel like Marvel would, would be risking pissing off the fans if it's like uh like a little joke or or like it's something else. You know what I mean? Like they're just pulling on your strings here you know like yeah. why I've i don't seen, understand uh, i've why seen theories that, that like i'm sharing theories that he's uh he's actually mephisto in disguise and stuff like and i'm seeing all these different right. things where it's like yeah 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 and i i think that's one of those things where you could you know get everybody excited like yeah the crossover happened and then it's like a letdown moment like no you know it's like well why why do it you know what i mean why or if anything, they should could have made them something else. So I, you know, me personally, I think it'll be a bad move or a mistake to bait and switch the the fans like that. Especially, I think that's been something a lot of people have been waiting for the crossover, like the a multiverse crossover. You know, we heard about Spider Man potentially doing it. We, you yeah. know, uh, in over in DC, I think Batman, uh, Flash is supposed to have like Michael Keaton's Batman. And so people been waiting for like a a crossover between two different you know, movie franchises. And I think this would be something that would blow someone's mind or could let them down, depending on which way they go with it. But based off just what we've seen, I have no clue. Like, cause it was the, you know, it was like the end of the show. It was, it was over. But one thing I will say is that if you notice, you know, Quicksilver had his same personality from like the X-Men movies, you know, to his like quick witty talking, like he seemed like he was, 
that quicksilver you know so uh we'll just have to see but man it, it definitely got me interested for sure yeah there was a lot of different things where like uh there people were also saying that he wasn't acting like quicksilver obviously which is also really? understandable because you know he's a character within a tv show within the confines of this reality kind of thing and then yeah. also like uh the fact that he called uh vision a popsicle you know it means that he because he's sort of hinting that he knows he's dead like because he's frozen he's an he's an ice kind of thing he's cold yeah. like his body's cold kind of thing so there's yeah, like a lot yeah. of people were reading into the situation well, see, to you me, only got like 10 see, seconds to, though yeah but see to me like that's his personality like that's something that the the uh evan peters quicksilver would say like you know hey popsicle like his you know come give me a hug like he, the quick talking you know the the witty like fast talking uh funny type of personality yeah. to me yeah. that matched him in days of future past and you know uh what's the other x-men apocalypse he showed up like to me if i were to just look at him and he, that was just, it, it wasn't like he showed up in wandavision but that was just a scene from the movie i'd be like oh yeah that's that's definitely evan peter's quicksilver so to me he seemed like that type of quick he seemed like the quicksilver but again i'm not really sure we'll have to wait and see yeah, especially with the whole multiverse thing happening here, we we know we know that reports of have Jimmy Fox coming back as Electro, and uh, Alfred Alfred Molina is coming back as Doc Ock in the in Spider Man Three, so we definitely have a situation where we have uh, an explainer as has to how the multiverse is sort of coming through. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm excited, and everyone was just like, by the way, apparently this happened, but apparently the the Evan Peters thing got leaked uh, last week, which I had no idea. I'm Me glad either. I, did. I didn't see. It. I was completely surprised. I did not see it. Thank God, I didn't hear about it. Didn't see it. Nothing. So I was yeah. good. So I'm happy. I'm happy that the surprise happened, and I was just like, you know, had my mind blown. I was watching it in my phone on my car on the car ride. Yeah. Uh, I was on a road trip uh, this past weekend, and I was like, "That was my perfect time to watch it." And then, yeah, I was awesome. And uh, yeah, this is uh, definitely uh, one of those situations where just um, regarding WandaVision for like the rest of the actual show, uh, I do wanted to give like a huge, huge shout out to Paul Bettany. Like his performance as oh, Vision man. was top yeah. notch, and how he was, he real was playing. Good. Yeah, he was playing the character in like two different manners, where he's playing as like the Vision from the MCU, like the the logical thinking guy, but also playing it up as like a like you know the dad, the pop of the show, and everything like that. He was, yeah. and it, it was like a cur a, per a perfect blending of the two, and then like the the final uh, st uh, standoff between uh, Wanda and Vision at the end, where and just how he was just bringing that energy like that, like he's like I'm I'm scared, Wanda, like that was just yeah. intense. Yeah, I it was really good, dramatic it. acting. It, it was very, it was just perfect and like of course obviously shout out shout out to to elizabeth olsen as well but like for me i feel like vision kind of stole that one for me even though vision was like doing three different things you know with her yeah. her european accent as well when she stepped out of the void and you yeah. know obviously there's lots lots of layers to this but i just loved how vision was just how, how his his character came through and then also, just as a as a separate side note, when I watched I watched the episode more than once on my second my second viewing, um, I noticed that like Vision was um, during the opening credits and stuff. Whenever they were taking those like family pictures, those family ties pictures, uh, yeah. 
uh, Vision uh, was holding the babies all happy in the first couple of pictures in like in a costume, like in a Thanksgiving he got costume. Matter, matter, yeah. or something. Yeah, like yeah. He kept getting sadder and sadder throughout the pictures, yeah. and I realized, like, I actually kind of like was reading into. It. I was like, oh, he's not happy playing along with this fantasy or whatever. Like, it's getting to him, and yeah. I cannot. And it's sort of like those little, like, little nuances that is just, just like that perfect icing so, on the cake. So answer this for me: What you think about this show? So far, ah, man, I don't know, man. Like, I just this this uh, I, I'm going to just steal a, a line from Jeremy Johns right now. But it feels like uh, and he didn't talk about he didn't say it regarding this show. He, re, he said it regarding a different show um, on his YouTube channel. But this just feels like a giant um, a giant. Uh, what was the word he used? Uh, like an uh, like an like an exercise in edging, I guess is basically the way I can explain it. It's like where mm-hmm. you're like being cock teased, and but you're like you're not allowed <laughs> to like to to get like oh you know we're like I don't guess I can't keep uh, I guess I gotta like uh, stop myself right there. But basically, it's just a giant tease, and this show really does work better as a binge series. Like I think the Mandalorian is better for week to week because the Mandalorian is a lot of self-contained uh, story of the week kind of thing where it's like here's the side quest and then and then like the the loop closes kind of thing. But in this one, this show really benefits better when you just consume it all in one go. And uh, it just it's see, so terrible having us to make us wait. You know? see, you know this show for me so far. Just to let everybody know, it's a ten out of ten. It's it's a it's literally a a award-winning type of show it's that good but you know it, it it's something i was talking about with a friend of mine you know i think a lot of people aren't used to storytelling no more you know i think we've come to a point of we want everything thrown at us you know we want either or either that everything thrown at us or like you just brought up being able to bench watch an entire series you know because the the whole point of storytelling is for a story to unravel right and so the reason why i love the first two episodes so much is you clearly see them unraveling a story you know a great story doesn't just give you everything and then you just you know what happened and you uh consume it and then you make your your you know your your thoughts on however you like it a good show slowly unravels right like it slowly builds on a story and when you watch and you, when you watch WandaVision the way it played out you know you had the first two straight up sitcom shows but they was leaving little nuggets of potential storytelling right and then when you get to the the fourth episode right you see how those what those little nuggets meant right you see the the other side of the spectrum if you will the you know from the outside looking in and you see where like the you see the helicopter when you first seen that helicopter you're like what right but then you see episode four where they first put the helicopter in there or you see the the little guy that came out look creepily came out from under the sewer or whatever with the bees around him he was like what the heck was that and then you know in four you see them go in there and try to infiltrate her or whatever the case may be but basically it's it's storytelling you see what i mean and so it seems like you're being teased but all it is is just unraveling of a story you know and you get your bits and pieces and that's why i personally love it i never thought marvel would go this in depth with story you know story over action and story over everything you know it's, it's about this is truly is like a character study type of show and that man it's so bold of them because again 
you're not alone, Lewis. Like some pe- people are so impatient these days. They want yeah. like like give me uh give me more like where's the where's the action or what what's going on, you know, instead of letting a story unravel. And if you to pay attention to the greatest stories of all time, whether it's a television show or whether it's a movie, you know, it's stories that's like unravel and you see what happens maybe at the very end is when you get everything revealed, you know. And so yeah, I, I mean, personally love it. I, I'm I'm I've I've definitely I I think feel like Netflix has gotten us like obviously too a little spoiled. Uh, used, a, little a little spoiled. spoiled. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean I I get it. I mean I didn't really feel that way about Game of Thrones. I feel like when it came to Game of Thrones and like appointment viewing TV kind of thing, um, even even Attack on Titan, like even like I've, I'm very hyped for the show week to week and everything. I feel like with with those shows, like I'm just I don't know, like I'm very I'm primed to uh, anticipate week to week, whereas a streaming show, I am more primed to want to binge it, especially because like the the format, it's like these are 30 minute episodes, like we're, this isn't like a 40 minute drama kind of thing, you know, where it's like kind of like Mad Men or Breaking Bad kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know, like it's, it, there's like, I don't know what's, I don't know what it is exactly that's I mean, making that split. I really split. think it's the impatience because look, if you think about it, right, each episode wants you, it has you wanting a little bit more. Every time it ends, you're like, damn it, I want to see what happens next. And that's yeah. what a show is supposed to do. Instead of you watching a show and saying, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm good. I probably don't even need to see the next episode. You, know, <laughs> you leave, the, you leave the, the, the episode saying, you know, dang it. Like each episode, you know, especially these last two. You're like, dang it! I need to know what's going on here, you know. And uh, it's a lot more like, like what you what you noticed, and you know, Vision slowly kind of getting sadder with like it's so much little storytelling nuggets there. And I and for me, that's the fun of it. Like for me, that's the fun of it. Like catching these little things, and when you go back and rewatch it, you be like, ah, oh, that's what that meant, or oh, this is what that was, you know. Like one of the things that stood out to me about the episode was Cadness when she kind of broke character right like yeah you know when vision was like no 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 matter of fact it's okay you don't need to watch the kids it's almost like she didn't expect that that was almost like something that wasn't supposed to happen and she kind of broke character and start talking to wanda normal like uh should we redo it almost like it was like a a retake or something and it was so interesting to me to see like oh wait see that you know that's like a clue for something that means something right and then when you go on later down the line you're gonna go back to that part and say yep that you know that you know that was a clue or whatever the case may be that's to me that's like the funnest part of storytelling in my opinion yeah there's a lot of misdirects happening because uh whenever uh vision like um unlocked that one dude's got a head or whatever and he kept yeah. referring to her she's in my head uh, like you know right. that kind of stuff and it doesn't necessarily mean that he he was referring to to wanda, wanda. either yeah right so right. And there's also uh, like a little theory that um, like Agnes uh, was afraid that um, that Wanda was going to revive the dog because the boys can telepathically communicate with the dog and maybe the dog saw something that the dog wasn't supposed to see or whatever. Yeah, and she was like genuinely seemed kind of afraid, like worried, like, wait, you can do that? And another thing I noticed was like, at the beginning of the since the if you notice since the beginning of the entire show 
Agnes always appears right when you know Wanda needs her for something, right? Like yep. when they needed to cook for and the first. I think it was the first episode, first episode when they needed to cook for the boss. She just shows up and she has everything that's needed, right? And it was like before cell phones. That took place before cell phones. I don't think that was, but but whatever she needed. And I think Vision he finally caught on to it in this episode. Like, oh, you come in with exactly what we need, like a dog. <laughs> I think she came in with like a doghouse or something. Yeah. Like, you know she. You know I think over. You know the whole show has been clues that there's she's involved bigger in some kind of way. Even the fact that she at first Wanda was hiding their powers from everyone, and next thing you know, in this episode, she just don't even care no more. She's you know showing everything, showing her power to Candace. It's like wait, what? You know, even Vision I believe brought it up. Like, hey, what what are we doing? We're supposed to hide our powers, and it's like she like ah, it don't matter no more. You know, I think all this is like stuff that's gonna come back, and you're gonna you remember this and be like, oh man, and, and I think it's just so fun. Okay, all right, well, that's gonna be the the, the talk there for Wonder Vision. We'll come back next week and we'll gush about it some more. Um, and also, by the way, a separate side note: I actually thought for some reason I thought there was only gonna be eight episodes this season, but apparently it's How nine. Many? So. Oh yes, oh yeah, that's always good because I thought it was the same thing. So that's yeah. Because like good. the Mandalorian and it was also eight as well, and I was thinking right. the same thing. But yeah, all right. Um, my next thing here that I've been watching, I had a, I had some time this weekend. Uh, we did like a little movie night with the family, and we watched two movies actually, and it was really really weird um, because it's like a big family get together, and we decided to watch Trainwreck to start things off. Oh, that's and a good one. That was actually, you know what, I. I vaguely remember there being like a slight backlash to that movie. I don't know why, but it was like the whole thing about like, I don't know, maybe the actress, like uh, uh, Amy Schumer, I believe is her name. Yeah. Uh, like about how she was like talking about how like, you know, women movies aren't don't do that much box office or like there's misogyny in the industry. I don't remember it really. I, I, I just, remember it was some it was goofy. I remember it, though. It was. Yeah. Goofy. It was kind of like somewhere in there, like in the back burner. I just I vaguely remember like a little controversy about this around the time this movie's released or whatever. Uh, but just having just only watched the movie years later for the first time and just sort of like just taking it in as it as its own you know product um just kind of forgetting about everything around it surrounding it i actually thought this movie was hella funny and really good oh, like yeah, it was real funny and really i good. was surprised and i actually was like i was uh i was anticipating john cena's role because i remember watching the trailer and and john cena was real it was a real show stealer and so was lebron james and like uh-huh. this movie was really good yeah, and that was, I remember that was the, one of the big surprise for me when that because I thought that movie was gonna be trash. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, that was. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to that movie. That movie is very raunchy. I don't know. It was definitely not very appropriate to watch with the family, but we just did anyways. Well, <laughs> 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 you know, we we never. I had like. I had a bunch of movies like on my on my computer, just like a bunch of digital movies. Uh, a lot of which I haven't I haven't seen. There were like movies that I want to watch, and then they were like looking at my library of movies that I have ready to go, um, and nobody can nobody can um, uh, nobody can. I don't know how to put it, uh, decide what to watch because everybody had competing interests or whatever. Like, no, I've already seen that. Or no, I've seen like people with different people have seen different movies. And that was the only movie that we could all come to an agreement to. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's what happened with that movie. And, um, 
the other movie that we did watch, and this was something we watched like later on, like at like later at night, because like some people went to sleep or doing their own thing, so I was able to have a more of a quieter uh, thing. I watched The Big Short, which is a movie mm. starring uh, uh, Steve Carell and Christian Bale um, and Ryan Brad Pitt. Gosselin. Yeah, a bunch of uh, basically a whole lot of Brad names. Pitt. Yeah. Um, so that movie, that movie was actually uh, directed by Adam McKay, who was known for like the Will Ferrell movies, like uh, like Step Brothers and Anchorman and stuff. Yeah. And uh, this movie was like a serious like drama, and I think it might have won Oscars if I'm not mistaken. Definitely nominated yeah, it for sure. For, uh, it won for writing, I think, uh, for original screenplay or adapted screenplay. Yeah, because it's based on real on real life kind of stuff. Yeah. and Christian uh, Bale got uh, nominated for an Oscar. He was great in that. Yeah. So. Um, so you actually watched it back in the day, or did you? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, man, that was one of my favorite movies that came out that year. It was yeah. a phenomenal movie. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to give a shout out to that movie because uh, there was it was a very interesting take on that real world events and stuff where it's like, man, like this movie really does a good job of like dumbing things down, like dumbing down like very high concept economic Wall Street shit and just bringing it down so like normal people can understand. And they even had like a celebrity cameos like um, Selena Margot Gomez. Margot Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie, Selena Gomez and a, and a famous chef to like do specific scenes where they're talking to the camera, talking to the audience and like explaining with like visuals and stuff on like how these things work. And I'm not gonna lie, and, like um, with Margot Robbie in it, like I was distracted. I didn't hear nothing she said. I was like, I mean, I think Margot <laughs> Robbie in a bathtub. Come on now, <laughs> like I can't. I had like, dang it, I gotta rewind it because I couldn't hear. I didn't listen to nothing she said. <laughs> like, I know, right? Yeah, she kind of had that Harley Quinn energy when she spoke. To oh me, yes. By the way. Oh yes. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I guess I feel like that's really weird because like I thought. I thought the way she was speaking as Harley Quinn was her like acting. But if that's how she talks in normal life, then yeah. like wow, that's. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. Like the 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 movie was. Um, it was very serious and very dramatic, but also like I feel like with Adam McKay's di direction in that movie, it was just perfect. It was like a perfect match of taking these serious, like really pissing, like uh, concepts that would piss people off, yeah. but also you know, you know, having like this this guiding hand of of uh, of telling a narrative and you know being respectful but also like sort of like amping it up, like amping up reality. It was just a perfect blend of just tackling that serious subject matter mm -hmm. um i'm not gonna lie after that movie was over i was left pissed off but also just yeah. like um i guess in a good way like it was it really kind of riled me up and it's like you start to see sort of like you know these these um history already repeating itself you know talking about like man did we not learn from this already like mm -hmm. you know that kind of stuff yeah. uh, like researching i did a little bit of research about what you know what's happening now and about how um and not to get very political but apparently um uh, Donald Trump like uh, deleted all these re regulations out of existence, you know, because he was like talking about how I cut all these re regulations out, and apparently some of these regulations were from that 2008 financial uh, crash uh, to protect, you know, people from doing it again. But apparently these things are gonna be allowed to permeate again, and it's just really like, you know, it just kind of pisses me off. Yeah. Um, it's really good to be informed, I guess, and uh, I've I've heard uh, about another movie that tackles the same subject, but it doesn't do so in a it does so in a more dry manner. And I feel like when it comes to um, these kinds of things, it's always good to be entertainment, to be entertaining instead of being preached to or whatever. So yeah. I think that's uh, it's gonna it's gonna be very much accessible for like the general public is what I'm getting at, and. Uh, 
I applaud the movie for that, and it's a very good watch. I wasn't bored at all. Um, I loved how uh, characters or uh, the actors would like break the fourth wall at random times and and like just talk to the camera. And some of, some of them, the best moments were from those fourth wall breaking things, where like an Asian guy was like saying saying like I actually know how to speak English, and I actually got second place at that at that national tournament or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, it was the humor in that man. I think that's what made that movie so good. It was it was able to keep you entertained while you learned such a a late a deep subject matter. They were still able to keep you like laughing and and uh and it was just this high pace that that movie had. I loved it. Yeah, so yeah, that's uh, definitely worth the watch. There, I don't know if, if the Big Short is on a uh, on a streaming service like per se, but I know it's in the top charts of the iTunes charts still. Um, so I don't know if you have it. You have to pay for it. So, but yeah, that's all I got to say about that movie. Uh, I really loved it. Let's go ahead and move on to the news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. So it's a bit of a slow news week, but we actually do have a lot of a lot of uh, content uh, to like to dive. Uh, dive deeply into here. The first thing that I feel like might be like one of the bigger headlines is there was a Wakanda TV series in the work uh, at Disney Plus uh, with Black Panther director Ryan Coogler um, tied to the series. So this comes from IGN and the sub headline says Wakanda forever. So that's that's nice. Um, it says here, and this is written by Adam Bankhurst, and it says here that the Walt Disney Company and, and has announced a new Disney Plus series in development with Black Panther director Ryan Coogler that is based on the Kingdom of Wakanda. This Kingdom of Wakanda series will be part of a Disney's five-year overall exclusive television deal with Coogler's Proximity Media. Um, quote, it is an honor to be partnering with the Walt Disney Company. Working with them on Black Panther was a dream come true. As avid, as avid consumers of television, we couldn't be happier to be launching our television business with Bob Iger, uh, Dana Walden, and all the amazing studios under the Disney umbrella. We look forward to leaning... Uh, so we look forward to learning, growing, and building a relationship with audiences all over the world through the Disney platforms. We are especially excited that we will be taking our first leap with Kevin Feige's, uh, Louis De Deosposito, Victoria Alonso, and their partners at Marvel Studios, where we, where we will be working closely with them to select MC where we will be closely working with them on select MCU shows for Disney+. Plus. We are already in the mix on some, on some projects that we can't wait to share, stated Ryan Coogler on behalf of Proximity Media. No further details were given regarding the Kingdom of Wakanda series, but Disney has already made clear that it will not recast the late Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa following the actor's death for Black Panther 2, so it can be assumed that the same will be true here. In late 2020, a report claimed that Black Panther 2 would begin filming in Atlanta in July 2021 with a shoot uh, that could last up to six months under the director under the director of Coogler. That's a weird sentence. Um, furthermore, it said that Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, and Angela Bassett will all be returning as Wright's uh, Shuri, uh, with Wright's Shuri possibly taking on much more prominent role. So there's the new story right there. So. So Troy, what do you think about a Wakanda Disney Plus series? What could they possibly do? Like, what well, direction do you think they take? Well, first I gotta I gotta talk about man this five year deal that Ron Coogler got. Man, that's one hell of a deal. You know, man, he making like, money. <laughs> yeah, he's he's getting money with that deal. You know, and that's that's a deal you gotta take. I I mean, you know, the the exclusively 
you know, put out content for f- over a five year amount of time. They pay you all the money that they paying him. Shit. Congratulations <laughs> just, to that guy. I just got to say real quick before you go on any further. I am not a fan of his PR speak because I'm just not a fan of PR speak in general. But that quote, a little bit of a word, a lot of to read there, but it's very much like ass kissing. I was like, oh, I'm glad to be partnering with this and, and grow under the Disney umbrella and look forward to learning and growing and. Uh, I, I th- get you got to say I just that. Think that. I think that's a personal problem you have with those PR <laughs> things. <laughs> I mean, because like what he's saying isn't like it's, I mean, he did Black Panther was his biggest movie and he won, it got nominated for a lot of Oscars and it probably put him on the map yeah. as far as being a box office type of director. You know, like I don't know, his, like uh, the, I guess my problem with PR speak is that it sounds fake. And so yeah, I'm yeah, I agree. That. It sounds fake. It does sound fake, but. Again, I think that's just your problem with the PR in general. So. <laughs> but uh, go go for it, go for it. But yeah, um, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like, I I don't, I don't really have too much excitement for this. I, I really? Yeah, I, I don't really have too much excitement for this. Like for me, Black Panther is what made you know everything about the Black Panther mythos so fun and exciting. It's like Black Panther and Wakanda, Black Panther and his you know, his army and black, it's a, you know, for me, Black Panther is what makes it interesting. It's almost like if you tried to do a show about Metropolis without Superman, like I really wouldn't be interested in Metropolis. You see what I'm saying? So or agents of shield without like the or agents of shield. I never, I hated that show. You see what I'm saying? So I, I really don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm curious to know what, cause I'm more excited about Ryan Coogler being a part of it than the, the the show itself you know what i mean because ryan coogler is a genius in my opinion every single thing he's done uh, dating back to fruitville station i've liked so i don't have a reason to think it'll be bad but in terms of me just being excited just because it's wakanda i you know I, that doesn't do much for me so i mean we'll just have to wait and see i mean maybe my you know, I could change my mind when it comes out. I mean, I didn't think I would like WandaVision at all. I'm not even going to lie. Like, see, I had zero hype for WandaVision. And now I think it's an Emmy award winning type of show. So, hmm. you know, we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Well, I actually put in a talking point here on the doc here. I'm not going to necessarily link this article um, in the show notes here, but I'm going to just say that this uh, article is also written by IGN. It's a bit of an opinion piece. Um, I put this as, a, as an addendum to the announcement of the uh, the Wakanda series. Um, it says here that the Wakanda series, the, the excuse me, the Wakanda TV series proves that the Black Panther fr- franchise is bigger than T'Challa. So uh, it says in the subheadline, the king is dead, but Wakanda is forever. So a uh, writer, Jesse uh, Sh- uh, Shadeen, wrote a, a bit of a lengthy article. It's a bit of a read here, but he wrote down a bunch of like talking points that could um, talk about where the show could go because um, there is a lot of different stories that you can you can tell. So, for instance, it talks about Shuri as the Black Panther. Um, it even talks about how the Dora Milaje could be heroes and villains because, like, the Dora Milaje were tasked with protecting the king. But now that since uh, T'Challa is going to be gone within the MCU, you know, where do they go next kind of thing. And then there's also the different tribes of Wakanda. There's a total of five different uh, uh, tribes, but there's a fifth tribe, of course, that we know about, the Jabari tribe. They don't uh, worship uh, the Black Panther. They worship the White Gorilla. So there's 
there's like different factions you can go for. Um, there's also a bit of a, a redemption story that they were talking about for Michael B. Jordan, um, but his character died, so I don't know what the, I didn't really, I was just sort of reading the bullet points here in this article, but basically he's sort of like, yeah, going in all these different directions that we can take for the Wakanda series. Does any of these things like strike a chord with you or um, anything that yeah. you think would be cool? Yeah, yeah, all that sounds interesting, especially like the the factions. I, I think that'd be cool if they the Jabari tribe or something like that start some kind of war, or, you know, or it, you know, it, it, like I think it'd be cool. It, it's a lot of interesting stories. I think I think all of those except the the Michael B. Jordan uh, character. Uh, what was his character called? Uh, uh, Killmonger. Killmonger. Yeah, I don't want to see nothing with Killmonger because he's died. He's dead. And one thing about Marvel, they always bringing back characters. I can't stand well, that about okay. Marvel. It, it remains to be as I shared in the article. It remains to be seen if Coogler will opt to bring back Killmonger, Killmonger for the sequel. There are certainly plenty of ways to explain the return. What with Wakanda's advanced technology and the close link to the spiritual plane. So, oh God, please, I just hope they don't. You know what I mean? That's one of Marvel. That's like. <laughs> Marvel's only problem is like they cannot let a character go. Like the only character that they've actually let actually die that was has some kind of significance is Quicksilver. If you think about it, and Quicksilver might come back for all we know. I mean, we got a version of Quicksilver, but come back. But so I hope that's not the case. But yeah, all those you know, all those uh, stories, potential you know, storylines will be interesting to me. So we'll just have to wait and see. Okay, I forgot about the spiritual plan. Yeah, there's a, there's different ways you can ride around this. But I mean, there's yeah. always ways, that, but that's the problem with Marvel. They're like, oh yeah, we're gonna find a way. You know what I mean? Like, it's always a way. That's why, and that's why they use that and to their advantage. And never a character never dies. And you know, but whatever. all right, okay, well there we go. Uh, those are our thoughts about the Wakanda TV series. So next up here, we have uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler to co-host the Golden Globes on separate coasts. This was written by Michael Schneider over at Variety. The 78th annual Golden Globe Awards is going to uh, by Coastal. Hosts Tina Fey and Amy Poehler returning to helm the ceremony for the first time since 2015 won't be in the same room together. Instead, Fey will broadcast live from the Rainbow Room at the top of Rockefeller Center in New York City, while Poehler will uh, host from the uh, from the Globe's usual spot inside the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Beverly Hills, California. This marks the first time that the Golden Globes has beamed from multiple locations in its 78-year history, but not the first time an award show has been simultaneously held in both New York and Los Angeles, as the Oscars did it several years in the mid-1950s. The decision to station Faye on the East Coast and Polar on the West Coast comes as the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, NBC, and the Globes producer uh, Dick Clark Productions continue to iron out plans for this year's award show to adjust the re- uh, adjust to the realities of mounting such a telecast during the COVID-19 pandemic. Among the details still to be revealed, whether presenters and nominees will be invited to participate in person by remote means or via a mixture of both, which is what the Primetime Emmys did last September, uh, by having two production bases on both coasts that could allow more opportunities to include talent working on the East Coast or in Europe who might not otherwise be able to travel to Los Angeles. It also presumably allows Faye to uh, remain put in her home base of New York. Uh, this ceremony will 
will air live on Sunday, February 28th at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC, uh, which, which was pushed back nearly two months later than normal due to the pandemic. Uh, television nomination ballots were due on January 12th, while the motion uh, picture nominations ballots were due on January 30th. Final ballots will be mailed um to all the Hollywood Foreign Press Association members, uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's not go any further there. But basically, um, this is an interesting little um, tidbit here. So they're they're going to go on to do uh, in two different locations, which I guess could help like the social distancing aspect because there's less people centralized in one room or one auditorium kind of thing. Um, I was honestly going to be under the impression that there was going to be like everyone's sort of like Zoom meetings their way into accepting their speeches and stuff, kind of like what they did with the Game Awards. But um, having like a limited selection of different people showing up, that's going to help reduce, um, you know, these kinds of um, pandemic related issues. Uh, so what do you think of is this a, is this a good move or do you think that they should maybe do this going forward, like having a two coast situation uh, going forward, even without the pandemic? Well, you know, I, I think it's it's an interesting idea. I mean, I think I feel like it's cool that you get two different performers kind of, you know, like uh, uh, two different people holding the weight of hosting the show. So I think that'll be cool. I personally think they should push back the Golden Globes like or I mean, not just skip the Golden Globes this year because wow. I mean, who really who, who really cares about the Golden Globes? Let's be real. You know, so <laughs> I think, you know, I think they should just like skip it this year or maybe did something different because listen, like. It don't take a lot of people for you to catch COVID. Like that's one of the misconceptions. I think yes, it it lessens the chance of you catching COVID with it less people, but literally one person can have it and give it to twenty people, right? So whether it was eighty people or whether it's only twenty people, you know, one person can have it. And a lot of times at these Golden Globes and these award ceremonies, it's always old people, you know. And they're the ones that are in the most danger. So I feel like I feel like this time next year, I think everything could be okay. Like I think at you know this year, right? It was like the last like cleanup year. You know, we could get by this year. I think everything could be okay. This you know it'll be okay. It'll be skipping one year again. It hasn't been a lot of movies out anyway. So what's the point of making this risk for a show that no one really cares about that much anyway? You know, so that's me personally. But this idea, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's not a bad idea, in my opinion. Two good performers that I, I like. And uh, I, I, get, I definitely will watch it. So, mm, OK, well, at the end of the article, it said here that Ricky Gervais hosted last year's 77th Golden Globes. Um, and it said that it was actually one of the most watched network telecasts of the year of 2020. Um, it averaged 19. Oh, yeah, because he said viewers. a lot of controversial stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, it aver- averaged 19.2 million viewers in January 5th, 2020. Uh, but yeah, no, I I um I genuinely uh, hope that this uh, year is also successful. You know, I've, it's kind of interesting because like um the uh, like Hollywood tends to be very left leaning and very much. Uh, uh, the left is always advoc- advocating for like masks and social distancing and stay at home kind of stuff. And, you know, the right tends to be all like, oh, don't tread on me kind of stuff. And it's really interesting that they are not going to opt to, to cancel this year's uh, Golden Globes because it feels like that would have been one of those decisions that that would have been more consistent with like yeah. the left 
decision because of right. you know, safety concerns. I also would have seen a situation where, like, you know, it's just Amy Poehler and Justina Fey in a room, you know, all alone, like on a green screen kind See, of thing. I think that would have might have been a better idea. You know, I think to me, just have them two you know, host the show and then do everything else digitally, you know, yeah. or whatever the case may be. I think that would have been a, you would have still got a performance and you would have still had them kind of making the show entertaining and without risk, you know, so, but. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's also like a certain energy in the room when there's like a live studio audience all like applauding or laughing or cheering and stuff, which I guess you can fake it as well. You can like, even like the sports games, like That's the what NFL. they do in sports, yeah. 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 They have a fake audience, you know, that was provided by EA for the Madden series because they have that kind of sound design mix uh -huh. and stuff but yeah i just i i just wanted to say like you know there's um i don't know how to put it like you know shows like friends become very creepy without a laugh track you know like mm -hmm. there's like there's gonna be a uh even like even like the late night shows like the the, the stephen colbert's and stuff of the world they weren't they were there was like an adjusting adjusting period where even some even haven't fully adjusted yet either where they're you know, saying their monologue, but, you know, they're holding for applause and there's no applause, you know, so. Yeah. But see, uh, that that stuff, like, I feel like all that stuff you could put in there, you know, like, just like old sitcoms, you know, like how they put the laughter in the show, you know, where they literally do the laughs and the oohs and the ahs, like, and the same, like you just mentioned, the sports world, like, you know, you could put that stuff in there and make it where it doesn't seem awkward, you know what I mean? So even if, you know, if it's not genuine, it's like, it's same if someone does stand up or like uh, if you watched uh, Kevin Hart's stand up he did on Netflix, like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, he, he knows he's doing it for the people watching Netflix. And so he just had like a few people in there just to kind of like, ha ha, you know, just so it didn't make his joke seem awkward or whatever. So you could, you know, you could make it work for sure. Okay. All right. Well, the uh, it says here, just as a reminder, uh, that the Golden Globes this year is going to be on February 28th. That's actually... Um, we're going to be talking about it in three episodes from now, actually. So be, be sure to come back by episode eight. And we'll uh, talk about the winners. All right. Next up here is uh, Tom Holland says Marvel won't tell him if Garfield and Maguire are in Spider-Man 3. And this comes from Screen Rant. And uh, Tom Holland says Marvel hasn't told him if Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are in the Spider-Man 3 home spider-man homecoming 3 okay that's an interesting title it's not that's not what it's called garfield and mcguire of course <laughs> uh played peter parker in their own uh, film series before holland uh, took over the role when spider-man was integrated into the marvel cinematic universe holland's quickly uh holland's quickly became that's an interesting really these guys need to really edit these stuff holland quickly became a fan favorite since uh, debuting in captain america civil war going on to reprise the character five more times including this year's spider-man 3 as beloved holland is uh, there's long been interest in seeing the previous cinematic spider-man spider-men returning it looks like spider-man homecoming 3 that's not the title maybe the uh, may be the project to make that happen as the movie seems to be embracing the multiverse concept. Garfield and Maguire are reportedly among the many actors that from Sony's earlier Spider-Man movies said to be returning for this, for this latest film. However, their involvement hasn't been officially confirmed yet, with everyone from Zendaya to Kevin Feige being coy on the matter. Those hoping Holland will be making... Uh, those hoping Holland will be able to provide some clarity are sure to be dis disappointed by the actor's latest comments. 
uh, appearing on Variety's Awards Circuit podcast, Holland was asked about Garfield and McGuire being in Spider-Man 3 and claimed he's in the dark. The interviewer joked Holland could just show up and people will just be there. Uh, quote, beats me. I don't know. If they are, they haven't told me yet. That would be something that Marvel would do. I would watch the film and be like, so that's who that tennis ball was. Uh, so that's the quote there. And during the MCU tenure, Holland has earned a reputation for spoiling key details in interviews. Even after the uh, after all this time, the filmmakers still do not fully trust Holland. Obviously, since Holland is the star of Spider-Man 3, he has to be privy to a lot of information about the project. But it's possible some of the specifics may have been withheld, so he doesn't inadvertently leak them early. At the same time, an argument can be made Holland has simply gotten better at dodging questions now that he's been a part of the MCU for a while. After all, last year he revealed that he knows all of the Spider-Man 3 spoilers after a pitch meeting with Sony and Marvel so he could be aware if Maguire and Garfield are part of the movie. So what do you think? Is, uh, is Tom Holland just growing up and becoming, you know, learning how to dodge questions? Or are they just treating him like a kid and sort of like, you know... You know, telling him what to do or what he needs to know, and that's it. Well, I, you know? I think it, it could be one of two things. First of all, I don't believe him. He's lying. You know, he, <laughs> he, There's no way you could be the star of the movie and you don't know the script, right? You at least read the script. You'll know if they're in there. So I think he's lying. But one of the spec, one of my speculations I've had, I, I do think the other Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and um, McGuire Spider-Man, I think the, uh I think they will be in the movie, but I don't think they're going to have a significant role like people think. I think people think it's going to be like, you know, all three of them fighting together and they're going to have a, I think it's going to be more like cameo type of scenes. Like they're going to have a scene where it's like they're dealing with something in the multiverse and then boom, you see Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man pop up and be like, huh, who are you? Who are you? And it'd be like a funny moment. And then boom, it's something else, you know, similar to like, Captain America meeting Captain America in Avengers Endgame. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not, it's going to be maybe a scene or something funny or big, but it's not going to like have a huge plot point or whatever in the story because it could be a bit too cluttered if that was the case. So I think it might be a situation where, you know, it's not that big of a deal. So he don't really know. You know what I mean? That That's a slight chance. But I do think he does know. And I think he's aware that he's always told too much shit you know what i mean like <laughs> I think, and so he's kind of like look this time i'm gonna just act like i just don't know you know i'm not even gonna try to dance around it i'm gonna just say i don't know you know and i think that's best for him because he got a blabber mouth you know? <laughs> i think he uh doesn't know because okay well maybe okay this one's a bit hard to hard to pull off here but there is a there is a way for him for them to get away with not telling him uh for instance in infinity in infinity war uh the the that movie was kept so under wraps. Like they only gave the actors um, partial scripts. They only gave them the pages that they were in. So like the uh, Sebastian Stan said that he was only given two pages of script because he was only in like, you know, certain scenes and most of the scenes that he was in, he had no speaking lines at all to get to, to have. Um, so I just got to say that, um, there's a possibility that they could do a thing where they CGI them or like splice them or edit them together. Uh, because, uh, you know, when he said about the tennis ball, so that's who the tennis ball was. Um, in Infinity War, like um, uh, uh, Tom Holland was fighting 
uh, a lot of like invisible enemies because he was being shot on a green screen. And so they had a, they made it look like legit in the final cut, but really he was just imagining things and stuff. Like they were telling him, you know, to imagine like this big beast monster thing or whatever, like uh, talking about Infinity War when he was fighting, um, uh, damn, it was his Cole Obsidian. I forgot his name, but anyways, yeah. um, the uh, that's uh, that's just some things just to like put well, into perspective. I, that's you possible. Know, let me tell you. See, here's the thing with that. The the difference with that is Infinity War was very much an ensemble film, right? Like, so you didn't you had characters that were in certain parts of the movie that didn't have nothing to do with other parts of the movie, so there was no need for the actors to read the whole script, right? Like, it's just a bigger chance of it getting leaked and all that. Tom Holland is is the lead of this movie. Like the whole movie is based around him. So even if you did do that and you only give him his scenes, he's that's the majority of the script right there. You <laughs> see what I'm saying? That's not like say uh, Wanda in in uh, in Infinity War where she's only in those little the scenes towards the beginning and the scene towards the end. It's like this one is Tom Holland where he's literally the main character and the whole movie is about him. True. And then secondly, they did, you know, that's a different, the fight scene in in those movies, in the Avenger movies with Spider-Man, he's usually fighting a big CGI creature, right? But if you, I don't understand why would they have two actors that can play off of each other, not act with each other. True. You know, that True. doesn't make any sense to me. Just to, just to keep a secret, that makes absolutely no sense. Usually if they got two actors that can perform with each other, they'll do that. But if it's like CGI or something, then yeah, of course you have to pretend like, you know, something's there, you're fighting something or whatever. So I, I really just don't think that's the case. Okay. That's that's fair. I, I you, you know, I was sort of trying to play devil's advocate on that one, but um yeah it's uh the more obvious uh the more obvious answer is that he's lying so you're yeah, right yeah um but <laughs> i just want to say that um you know with the whole alpha molina thing and the uh and jamie fox thing since those two things are in fact confirmed right. um it's very well possible that they are um they are in fact in the movies especially because like mm -hmm. i feel like i heard something about like a, a pizza delivery guy who was there and he saw andrew garfield in atlanta or whatever i don't know oh, but yeah. Yeah. there's there's something there i guess where there's smoke there's fire i've said that before on a, on oh. the uh, ready press play podcast yeah. all right Let's go ahead and move on to the next big uh, the next big story here is Michael B. Jordan and Rock Nation team up to create a TV series about Muhammad Ali. Uh, so the greatest will dive into the life of the late Muhammad Ali. And this is written by Tabitha Gunn over at Revolt.tv. And uh, it says here that Michael B. Jordan is teaming up with Rock Nation to create a limited TV series about the life of Muhammad Ali, according to Deadline. Outlier Society TV, the Fruitville Station Star Production Company, expanded its relationship with Amazon Studios. The series will be called The Greatest, which will be written by uh, Josh Wakeley and executive pro uh, produced by Jay-Z's Rock Nation. Quote, it's an incredible honor and I bring tons of respect to it. Uh, Jordan told the outlet, it's a healthy weight to carry to be able to tell the story of Muhammad Ali. It's called The Greatest Right Now and will be partnered with Rock Nation on the music side of things. It's a project where we've partnered with the, the estate and we'll be able to tell the story with no red tape. It's a limited series that will really dive into the life of Muhammad Ali. Uh, Jordan continued, I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not 
going to be too specific beyond that, but we'll be able to get to know him in a ways that we haven't had a chance to before. I'm really excited about it as a boxing enthusiast, and since this is the world I've been living in the past five or six years with the Creed franchise, to be able to honor Muhammad Ali and elaborate on his legacy is something I'm really excited about, and I know Jen and Amazon are as well. Unfortunately, Jordan will not play Ali in the series. He is currently searching for the perfect person to bring the role to life. So that's an interesting little thing there because, you know, when I first read the headline and, you know, because he's did, he did the Creed movies, you know, he's got that boxer build to him. I was thinking to myself, oh, he's going to be the perfect Muhammad Ali, you know, but yeah. apparently he's just the producer. And Jay-Z's music company and Amazon are going to be making this happen. I'm happy. I'm, I'm very excited for the idea of a Muhammad Ali series, especially because I watched the, uh, the Ali movie with Will Smith. And I would like to, you know, I would like a deeper dive and stuff. And especially because, you know, we know that, you know, Muhammad Ali had some, um, you know, personal goings on and stuff, uh, especially regarding like the, the draft and stuff of the time and you know that that's some that's some good material to like to to dig deep on there. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on this news? Well, you know, I I love Muhammad Ali. I love his story. I'm a big fan of Muhammad Ali. I just feel like it's just too much stuff about Muhammad Ali. Like I, like you just <laughs> mentioned, you just mentioned the movie. That's a good movie, and I think that movie did a good job of you know telling his story. And then it's another show that's out right now. I can't think of the name of it, but I've been seeing previews, and it's like. It, it, it's Muhammad Ali's in the in that show as well with Malcolm X, and it's like so that's currently either on or about to air. Whatever that is, I got I'm gonna have to look that up. I could, but it had a weird name. It's like something about Vegas or something like that. But it's that, and now you're about to have a Muhammad Ali again. I think it's a it's getting a bit repetitive. You know, like I feel like I'm not gonna watch this and learn something that I didn't already learn from the movie and this current show that's out right now that involves Muhammad Ali. So. I mean, we got to see what different, how it's going to be different from all that other stuff. So, I mean, I'll be curious, though. Michael B. Jordan, I mean, he's not going to be in it. So, that's something that's also, you know, makes it less exciting. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay, he's producing it. All right, damn, I want to see him act. You know what I'm saying? But, but uh, I mean, we'll see. All right. Well, like I think for like for biopics and movies and stuff, they're great and stuff. But like movies, I guess for like the lack of a better term it's like they're like the cliff notes versions of someone's life i feel like with the series we because you have more screen screen time you know you have more episodes um even possibly more seri- more seasons but this is a limited series so it's going to be a one and done but um there's there's a bigger um a bigger opportunity to like to like you know to get into the weeds um i i i gotta say that um you know i don't know I don't know Michael B. Jordan, the producer. I only know Michael B. Jordan, the actor. So I don't know how this it will, you know, you know, register on on hype levels when I feel when I get around to seeing the first trailer when they make it. But I will say that I uh, they have my interest. They don't have my attention yet. Yeah, like to quote Leonardo DiCaprio in that one yeah. in Django Unchained. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the next bit here. This is the like I added this uh, this story here last minute to the doc here, so I might I might have thrown you a curveball. But this comes from Screen Rant. It says the Mandalorian nominated for best drama at the 2021 Golden Globes. Uh, Star Wars's first live action television show, The Mandalorian, continues to impress by scoring a Golden Globe nominations for best drama series. So we were just talking about the Golden Globes uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, but. 
Yeah, so Disney Plus The Mandalorian continues its run as an award awards darling after scoring nominations for Best Drama uh, Series at the Golden Globes. In November 2019, Disney hopped into the streaming wars with the launch of its own service, boasting new content from its biggest brands. At the time, the first live-action Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, was Disney Plus's most buzzworthy offering, and even now, over a year later, it remains one of the service's top shows. In telling the simple but compelling story of a lone bounty hunter, uh, Pedro Pascal, who protects a powerful young child, The Mandalorian earned rave when it first premiered. Those uh, those raves, raves continued into The Mandalorian Season 2, which aired last fall. Though there, are, uh, though there were some concerns about the series relying too much on fan service and the characters from the, greatest, uh, the greater Star Wars universe, the second season still managed to score critical acclaim and impressed fans. An emotional and action-packed run of episodes concluded with a shocking thrilling revealed. Oh, that's a spoiler right there. Let's go, let's go ahead and... There was a reveal of a character. I don't want to say it here just in case uh, you haven't watched The Mandalorian. Um, that this character would be the take would take over little Grogu's care. Uh, already, a Mandalorian season three is in the works. So let's see here. I'm gonna skip over the article and say that in the Golden Globe nominations, the Mandalorian is joined by The Crown, Lovecraft Country, Ozark, and Reta- and Ratchet in the drama series category. It's hard to gauge who would uh, emerge triumphant from this batch since only The Crown has been nominated and won before. As The Crown's fourth season was very well received, it feels like a front runner, but The Mandalorian could perhaps score a surprise win. Even if it doesn't though, the fact that it was nominated is special enough. Award shows have typically struggled to honor genre content in the past years. And it's speaking to a changing television landscape that both The Mandalorian and Lovecraft Country can score some love. Uh, So let's see here. The Mandalorian was already marked on the award circuit last year when it broke through the genre barrier and got nominated uh, for a whopping 15 Emmys. In the end, The Mandalorian won seven of those awards. A testament to the impressive quality of the series, it's very clear that the series has won over not only diehard Star Wars fans, but also uh, those who just appreciate good television. So what do you think? Is this going to win uh, the, the, the Golden Globe Award for, for, best, uh, for best drama? I think it has a shot. I mean, it's out of that and Ratchet, uh, but I think, you know, because Ratchet, I think, fits more of the Golden Globes criteria of how they choose who wins. So Ratchet, I think, has the probably the highest chance. But I think, you know, I think Mandalorian has a good shot. I mean, it's a great show, and uh, I, and I like how it's getting its credit. I say in, like, maybe five years, if they could keep this up, it could take over Game of Thrones in terms of popularity, in terms of mm. just being, like, one of the biggest shows watched on television. So, you know, I, uh, hopefully it wins. I, I hope it wins. It got my vote. It's a great show. Yeah, out of all of them, I, I've seen Ozark. Um, I heard I heard about The Crown. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but I, I, gen, I genuinely want The Mandalorian to win because just because it's The Mandalorian and it was such a, a good like appointment viewing TV um, in last last fall and like in November December, and um, yeah, I, I I feel like this is the year. Like this is uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I was curious to see if whether or not it, it got nominated or won last year uh, for season one, but definitely it's it's uh, worth a shout out here. So let's go ahead and move on to the extra news. Uh, there's just a couple of headlines here that we're going to read over and we're going to just give our thoughts on what entices us or what uh, what interests us. Um, there is a Frasier revival coming to Paramount Plus. Number two, Don Cheadle as War Machine to appear in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Number three, Marvel Eternals director is going to make a Dracula movie for Universal. 
Number four is Jamie Lee Curtis joins Borderlands movie with stars Kevin Hart and Kate Blanchett. And number five, Universal Pictures is moving a Jennifer Lopez movie, Marry Me, to 2022. Never heard of that movie, but I just found it on Variety. Just thought it was interesting. It's got Owen Wilson in it. And uh, it was set, it was scheduled for, for May of this year, but now it's been moved um, out of 2021 uh, altogether. Um, any of these uh, headlines uh, got your attention? Well, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for Don Cheadle to show up in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like, he's a, another one of those side characters or sidekicks that's just badass. So, like, you know, you might as well mix all the sidekicks together and make, like, a sidekick <laughs> Avengers. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, his character makes the most sense because, you know, like, Ian Buck, Bucky and uh, and Falcon are part of, like, you know, the, the post-Endgame military-industrial complex. So yeah, it would make yeah, sense for yeah. him to be it there. It makes sense. I mean, and, and he's black, so... Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't uh, think that has anything to do with it. The Falcon is black, so that'll be cool, you know. <laughs> and uh, but and also, you know, Dracula, I hope they make a good Dracula movie. I've been wanting to see a good Dracula movie for years now. So hopefully, with another shot at it, it could be a good Dracula movie. That makes, you know, that, that excites me. You know, hopefully, they get a good team and a good director and don't fuck it up again, so... We'll just have to see on that. I bet they're just gonna try to like sprinkle in Don Don Cheadle in there just to help uh, promote uh, the upcoming uh, Armored Wars uh, Disney Plus series. So uh, that makes sense. And yeah. um, uh, side note, we didn't even like, talk about like the the Frasier. Okay, first off, I'm too young for Frasier, and it was like you know not my time and everything. I know it exists. I knew I saw it in syndication uh, a couple of times. Like you know, I never I never watched the show, but I know what it is. But I just think that like more of interesting is that. Uh, CBS All Access, I believe, got rebranded as Paramount Plus, kind of like Disney mm. Plus kind of thing. So yeah. that's an interesting little tidbit there. I haven't subscribed to it because I don't feel like subscribing to CBS All Access for a Star Trek series that I'm not going to watch. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, also, separate side note, uh, there's a Borderlands movies in the works, and uh, Kevin Hart was already uh, confirmed a couple weeks ago. But now that's interesting. Like, they got Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, that doesn't feel like a fit but i guess neither was kate planchette so it's interesting i i kind of want to know what kind of uh, what kind of direction they're going to want to take because when i thought of kevin hart when i see kevin hart casting something i'm immediately thinking it's gonna be a comedy but you got an academy award winner i believe she's a winner or uh, at least hey, a nominee yeah, she, yeah. She, she, she has two i believe she's special. oh damn so yeah. yeah you got an academy award winner in kate blanchett and also you know jamie lee curtis you know that's uh that's an interesting talent pool there so yeah all right, let's go ahead and, and move on to, to check this out. Check this out. Not a whole lot going on and check this out here. I only saw something that, you know, mildly interesting is that there's a, a Flash uh, Season 7 trailer. Um, I just got to say that I used to really love uh, Flash, like the TV show. Like it was like I watched like the, I guess the first three seasons or something like that. I've kind of sort of fallen off the Arrowverse altogether, but the the seasons tend to be very repetitive. Um, it's a lot of like yeah, uh, Flash uh, is crying a lot, and you know he's like a lot of drama <laughs> with Iris, and they're crying, and like there he's always fighting a guy who's like fast. You know, there's an, <laughs> there's another villain who's like I'm not fast enough, and like every trailer tends to be very copy and and paste i'm kind of like trolling or on this trailer here but <laughs> uh, i just wanted to throw that out there but uh, characters like cisco are really cool but it feels like his character hasn't been cool in a while um uh, so yeah just more of a remnant uh, interest here is this a show that ever interested you do were you ever a fan or you do you think you're gonna be a fan 
Oh no, I'm not. I never was a fan, and I don't think I never will be. So I, I really don't. You know what I mean? Dude, honest, you used really to tell me how Arrow was one of the best shows on. Well, television. see, Arrow, Arrow, that's different. Like Arrow, the first two seasons, really yes. the first three, was special, right? And yeah. uh, but it, you know, the Flash, I never liked the Flash, but Arrow. If you go back and watch those first three seasons, they were Emmy nominated type of level of greatness but they fell right off the map and i can't even watch an episode of arrow no more and i can't watch flash either so <laughs> i don't really care too much about none of this stuff okay oh yeah that's interesting i just wanted to throw that out there uh i would be surprised if they make it to season eight to tell you the truth like, I, I genuinely think they should well there's a lot of air hey man there's a lot of people that love the flash though like i'll be talking to people and i just don't understand it like i don't see what they see but it's people that love the flash so you know i could see that show going for a while now i, I didn't see it going to season eight so you know <laughs> what i mean so who knows <laughs> all right um also there's been a lot of uh, issues with the arrowverse a lot of arrowverse shows are are being canceled or on the brink of being brink of being canceled um like arrow ended its run like it ended naturally because it was time to end i guess um but they were going to continue on with the Arrowverse without arrow and then all these other shows are plummeting like bat batwoman like she left the show and they had a you know and i'm so glad because the thing is like quality matters to me like i think a lot of these shows they're coming in with the mindset of let's just be cool like let's make like the nerds happy right but it's like <laughs> You have to implement quality in anything you do. You know what I mean? You have to try to have top-notch stories. To, I mean, look at WandaVision. You know what I mean? It's a great example of how, like, you still have to tell a great story. No matter how much fun stuff you could have and how many, you know, crossovers uh, nostalgic you things yeah. and crossovers. That, that's a gimmick, really. You know, you have to have great stories so i'm hoping that these shows being canceled and all this stuff going on i'm hoping it's going to make them say okay we got to step it up if we're going to try to succeed in this business of tele having television shows we got to step it up and make better quality okay all right let's go ahead and, and move on to topic of the show It's time for topic of the show. Uh, very ominous there. All right. Not really much going on here for topic of the show because, I mean, it's kind of big going on, but it's a bit of a news story more than it is a topic. But the, the Super Bowls were yesterday, day of recording. Um, so I just wanted to talk about uh, the Super Bowl in general, the movie trailers we got out of it, the movie trailers that we didn't get out of it, and just other fun stuff. Like, first off, uh, Troy, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, I watched it, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that Tom Brady got to win another Super Bowl and confirm he's the GOAT. Oh, my God. I was rooting against him. I was going I for Tampa. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I was going uh, for Pat Mahomes and them. I was disappointed that they lost. But, hey, you know, you got to give it up to Brady. No, man. I don't got to give it up to him, man. I wanted him to lose, man. Uh, hey, all right, hey but see, that's why he won because it's like, you know, people over and over and over again doubt him, and he has to prove them wrong over and <laughs> over and over again. It's just a fact. Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, all right. Well, for me, like the 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 Super Bowl was a bit boring to me. Like, I obviously when it became like an obvious. Um, uh, an obvious uh, landslide victory after the halftime. Also, shout out to the weekend. Uh, I've seen a lot of memes. Uh, uh, the internet is never surprised, never like, never um, surprises me. It never ceases to amaze me about how how they can make a meme in like five seconds. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there was that. Um, there was a trailer, uh, not a trailer. There was an ad for a car commercial, and they got Winona Ryder to reprise her role from Edward Scissorhands, and they got Timothy Chalamet to play Edward Scissorhands' son, Edgar Scissorhands. <laughs> that was funny. I thought that was really cool. Um, those are just that was like there wasn't really whole much going on as far as commercials going. It was like I used to watch the Super Bowl for the commercials, but it feels like there has been like a. a, a um, a magic loss to the commercials and like they used to be all about all these fun commercials and Doritos they kind of like brought their gay game they had Matthew McConaughey all 2D and stuff and flat and then they're like the new 3D Doritos and stuff like that that's cool but like I don't know there's there's it, it for me like the the trailers for this role has to be banger after banger after banger where like and it wasn't really like that for me I don't know is I, am I getting old Troy or what's going on no, I agree. I think COVID had a lot to do with this year because usually, you know, at least for me, like I get excited about the new movie trailers and the new television show trailers and stuff. But I think, you know, with everything going on, I don't think it was worth paying because those those things are expensive. Like it's we're talking about in the millions for 30 for, seconds. Exactly. For 30 seconds. Yeah. So like with all this stuff going on, everything getting pushed back, I don't think it's worth any studio paying millions for, you know, a date that they might not even make. And so they're like, you know, it's not worth it. So, I, I mean, I understand it. Yeah, so I actually had the theory going into this that, you know, the Super Bowl was going to be the the true testament as to whether or not a movie is going to make the release date because, um, you know, you're not going to spend so much money in marketing something without – you being reasonably confident that you're going to make your release date. Um, so, like, we didn't get a Mortal Kombat trailer, which is really weird because the movie is next month, supposedly. Oh, that's um, definitely getting pushed back. That's oh, you no think question. so? Yeah, that's no question. That's getting pushed back. No question. I wow. Mean, because, like, the thing with marketing is, like, the, th- the thing with Mortal Kombat, with, with marketing is that you want to, like, have a consistent build up to the date. Like, it's a lot of people that don't even know that it's a Mortal Kombat even coming out. Because <laughs> right? they haven't marketed so, it yet. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, so, you know, th- that's just something they haven't announced yet. But be expecting that announcement here in the next few weeks, month, whatever the case may be. Because there's no way they're going to put out Mortal Kombat with absolutely little to no marketing. I mean, even Godzilla vs. King Kong at least are marketing. You know, they came out with their trailer and their poster and stuff like that. So, you you know, you could be confident that they're actually going to make their date in March. True. But, but we not, also didn't we also didn't get a Godzilla vs. Kong trailer uh Super Bowl. Trailer. Now, that's that's a little bit surprising, but I think that they I think that they had so much buzz off the trailer that just came out. I think they felt like they're okay, you know, they don't need to waste that much money on on that on that uh spot or whatever so and also you know a lot of and a big another big thing that you know a lot of these movies aren't going to be or like godzilla vs king kong the theaters is not that's not where they're going to make a lot of their money so they're not going to put a lot in the marketing for people to go out to see theater to see the movie in theaters and that's not where they're going to make their money right now so hmm. i think i think they just felt like ah we could skip it Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I was surprised to see that. I must, the only Mortal Kombat tra- marketing I've actually seen so far was Entertainment. I believe it was Entertainment Weekly, but I, if, I might, if I'm not mistaken, but they actually had publicity stills, like actual, like basically screenshots of like. Yeah, I seen that, yeah. and it sucks, man, because I'm so excited for Mortal Kombat. I know, I just man. Can't wait for it, and it's like, 
come on like hopefully hopefully i'm wrong and they do make the date even if they don't have no marketing i don't care because i know about <laughs> it like i don't care who don't know about it i know about it so hopefully they do make the date plus it's an hbo max dual release as well so it's even if we don't and if they don't market it it's going to drop on hbo max and i'll be there day one um yeah. also we didn't get a snyder cut trailer um and that's already confirmed for uh, march uh, 16th i forgot the date specifically but it's mid-march um we also didn't get a trailer for black widow and that's still dated for early may um also we didn't get a trailer for venom 2 which i believe is dated for june or july i'm not I forgot which one but but basically these are the trailers that were no shows and in, in a normal in normal uh year they would have definitely been um you know one of the buzzed about trailers for the Super Bowl. But what we did get, let's not talk about what we didn't get. What we did get was a Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer that's coming out in March. I think that might, if I'm not mistaken, the date that they gave on the screen that might have been the same date as uh, as uh, the Snyder Cut. So that's going to be a cool weekend right there. Um, yeah. We got, for the second year in a row, a Fast 9 trailer uh, because Fast 9 was at last year's Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I like how you laughed, like genuinely laughed about that. No, that because it's like that. That's what I mean in terms of wasting their money. <laughs> Shit, it's like they probably regret having that last trailer. Like, damn. <laughs> yeah, they made millions of dollars on them for a thirty-second spot, and you're not even releasing the movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got Raya and the Last Dragon, which I'm assumingly it's going to assume going to make this today because it's going to be a Disney Plus all-access Mulan release. So that's pretty much so solid. Um, Coming to America with the number two. That was really cool. That's also going to make its release date because it's exclusive to Amazon Prime. Uh, we have some we have some deep cuts here. We have something I never heard of before, uh, and these, this one got my attention. It's an M. Night Shyamalan movie called Old. Um, now, that trailer was just got my – it's got my spider senses tingling here because we got like – we felt like a very much an M. Night Shyamalan movie. You know, what a twist. You know, so uh, did you see that trailer? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I seen it. I seen it. Yeah, so um, yeah, so you just uh, these characters are aging really fast on an island. You know, a little kid is a little kid, and suddenly he's an adult. So um, I feel like I've seen that actor somewhere in another movie, by the way. Like I've seen his face, but I, I don't know his name. But uh, yeah, that that movie definitely intrigues me. Um, it's definitely now on my radar. Um, so I am. This is a good. This was probably a good place to put it. Um, I don't know what the release date is or what the, what the release window is, but um, I'll, I'm going to keep my eyes to the ground about that as well. Um, there's a John Wick uh, wannabe knockoff movie starring the guy from uh, from uh, Better Call Saul, uh, Nobody. I don't know if you saw that trailer or did you? No, was I didn't that? see that one. Well, okay, that trailer not very remarkable. It looked it looked interesting. He's like you know, um, he's like a John Wick kind of character, action-y, very gritty thing. His family was threatened, and now he's going to go get revenge and all that stuff. So it looks right by the numbers. It's slated for April. Um, it looks like it's going to hit its release window, especially because that movie looks like a very low-budget movie, so there's maybe not a whole lot of money riding on it. So, so it might be able to make a, make some money in April. Um, there's a Clarice uh, Silence of the Lambs uh, series in the works and there was a trailer there where she's trying to rescue a lamb <laughs> it's very funny very not very funny it's, it's it's just funny because it's silence of the lambs we talked about it last week yeah yeah um there's also a, a 10 second spot it was really nothing it was just some voiceover stuff something called yellowstone 1883 it looks like it's a prequel of some sorts it's coming to paramount plus um so really very little not a whole lot going on as far as trailers goes um i do want to say that the fast nine trailer was kind of whack um 
Oh yeah, it was in, in my right. opinion, it really did nothing to to like last year's oh, trailers no. did a better job of, of of hyping me up. This year's yeah. trailer just kind of like was very meh. I don't know. I don't yeah, know what's it was disappointing. Yeah. I, I feel like I shouldn't be saying that as a fast fan, but seriously though, like and they they even showed a cool shot of like this car being magnetized into like a truck or whatever, and that that should have been one of those mind blowing like oh my god, but no, it just kind of like very I felt very passe about it. So I feel like the one that uh, for me it's like a two horse race as to like the two trailers that spent the best money was old and and Falcon and the Winter, Winter Soldier. So what do you what do you think best trailer worst trailer what you got? Well, I mean, listen, Falcon and the Winter Soldier made up. The, all the rest of the trash that we got like <laughs> it, it it really did you know deliver to me like it i think this falcon and the winter soldier i think that's gonna be the show that that certain people are looking for in terms of it's gonna give you the action it's gonna feel like a marvel movie it's gonna be fun you see the big budget involved in it you know it's almost it almost felt like a movie trailer if you think about it, like it's almost like a movie trailer and uh and uh i'm excited it looks fun so i can't wait to see that Okay. All right. Um, also, shout out to Ryan the Last Dragon. I actually liked the first trailer that they put out last week or a week, couple weeks ago. This new trailer just uh, showed new footage and stuff, and I'm even more interested. Like, they already have me sold, and I, I feel like uh, uh, this is um, uh, this is some good stuff. Like, as far as just like that, I guess those three. I guess um, everything else is kind of like very passe for me. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, Netflix and chill. All right. So Netflix and chill, we're going to run down the charts here for, for both Netflix and, and iTunes, as well as give some uh, recommendations as to what do you think we should watch um, and on, on a streaming service, not necessarily from the, uh, the lists here. So for the Netflix list, we got the top 10 things. Uh, number one is Firefly Lane. Number two is The Sinner. Number three was Malcolm and Marie, which we talked about last week, and we thought that was going to be like the big movie. I'm surprised that it didn't debut at number one because we were talking about like uh, um, that it was going to be Zendaya and John David Washington and stuff, and they guerrilla v- uh, filmed this in like a house in like a month and stuff. Yeah. Um, so apparently it's a drama that didn't catch people's attention. Um Next up is number four is Bridgerton. Number five is an Ice Cube movie. For some reason, Ice Cube is trending on on um, on Netflix because he's got two spots here. Number five is All About the Benjamins. Number six is Coco Melon. Uh, number seven was uh, Jenny Rivera. The the series it actually jumped up from last week to number from number 10 to number seven so it actually moved up the chart so that's interesting uh number eight is space sweepers number nine is go dog go and then number 10 is the other ice cube movie uh a family movie of all things are we there yet that seems very random and i don't know why it became popular that movie wasn't even that good i mean it was an all right movie and i remember that movie and it was just i you know so yeah. what do you think of this Netflix list? Is it, again, we commented last week about how much variety it is, but do you, are you surprised by anything or what you yeah, got? Yeah, I'm surprised. I don't know what, what, what does Ice Cube got going on right now that's making him trend so heavily. <laughs> <laughs> like this is weird to me. So uh, that is, is weird. But I, I also, like you, I thought the Denzel, uh, the John David Washington <laughs> Zendaya little movie, I thought that was going to do better. But I mean, now that I think about it, like, I'm sure it's a lot of people that didn't even hear about that movie. I think they they had like zero marketing to that, so uh, I think they was just hoping that like the hype some, the, would just catch on based off the fact that they're both in it and whatever the case may be. But it looks like that's not the case. Okay, yeah. So the the Firefly Lane is an American drama streaming uh, series. So it premiered last Friday. Um, it was starring Katherine Heigl and. Uh, 
that's interesting. There's there's a total of ten episodes, and um, it seems to be. Uh, I didn't really get a, a quick uh, synopsis here. It says uh, Tuli and Kate meet as young girls on Firefly Lane and become inseparable inseparable friends throughout thirty years of ups and downs. So. That doesn't really seem like one of those kind of things that just catches my attention, but for some odd reason, that that is the number one thing. Um, so it debuted the same day as Malcolm and Marie, and that's a thing that people flock to. Um, number the top ten on iTunes is going to be uh, number one is Let Him Go, which is a Kevin Costner Diane Lane movie. Number two is 2067. That looks like a sci-fi movie. Uh, number three is The Big Short, which I I did watch this past weekend. Number four is Tenet. Number five is Greenland. Number six is Groundhog's Day because last week was indeed Groundhog's Day uh, because it's February. Um, number seven is Wild Mountain Time. And number eight is The Wolf of Wall Street. Number nine is Synchronic. And number 10, random ass movie, the uh, a, a rom-com from 2009 starring Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, The Proposal. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on with these charts? Can you explain this to me, Troy? Oh, man, it don't make any sense to me, man. I don't know what's going on, but... Uh... <laughs> But yeah, I, I like to see. I'm glad I see Tenet up there. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, it dropped Tenet, from number one finally. It was like number yeah. one for a week to week, and we was we number one last week. So um, yeah, like Tenet still still hanging in there strong. Like I think people underrate how cool that movie is. Like you know what I mean? Just because it's confusing as hell doesn't mean it's not a badass movie. But uh, so yeah, cool to see Tenet up there. Big short. It makes sense, but uh, for that to be up there, good movie. I like it. And Wolf of Wall Street, one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm glad that's still uh making it's waves. Still, it's still making money because on the iTunes chart you have to pay for uh, to rent it or to pay to buy it mm -hmm. by the way yeah. so yeah. Um, by the way number 10 uh, like I've, I've the proposal I wouldn't be surprised if it went on sale for 99 cents or something like that because <laughs> iTunes does a pick of the week where it's like they'll discount a movie so it's probably yeah. that like I would yeah. bet like I didn't research this so I just pulled up the chart uh, but uh, I should come with more information uh, next time um, my recommendation again we like to do for Netflix and show we just like to just recommend a random stuff that you can stream right now um, um, my recommendation for the week is um, after all these weeks that we've been doing the show, I've never actually recommended a, a something that you can watch on Netflix. I've always been recommending something on Hulu or HBO Max or something like that. Never. Uh, so for this week's Netflix and chill, you should definitely Netflix and chill with a crazy ass movie. This movie is just going to blow your mind. <laughs> um, it's called Circle. And that's mm. it's just that's not the circle. It's just circle. I believe there's a movie called The Circle that you might be able to find on Netflix. But uh, this movie is about um, just random group of 50 people just wake up in some kind of crazy looking room. Like they're just straight up like don't know what's going on. Is it an alien spaceship or what the hell? But basically um, they realize that somebody has to die like every five minutes or something like that. Like some like there's a timer going on and somebody randomly dies. Uh, but they realize that they can vote for each other, you know, as to who's going to die. So, like, they start, like, creating this mind game, psych battle of psychology, like, you know, factions, and, like, everyone's, like, trying to figure this out. How do we game the system? And, like, you know, everyone's in it for themselves. So, it's a really crazy movie. It's really, I think it's, like, 80, 90 minutes long. It's it's a good movie. I loved it. I watched it back in the day, and um, it's a good uh, little deep dive on human psychology, I feel it's like, and there's a lot to, like, glean from this movie. It's very entertaining to watch. Um, not a, There's no, like, big movie stars, no big-name actors, but some good performances uh, for, for these characters put in an extreme situation. Um, it's a big recommendation for me. Uh, Circle. Check mm, it out on Netflix. Sounds, sounds cool. That, that makes me want to check it out. I haven't seen it. It makes me want to check it out. All right, Troy, what you got for me on recommendations? 
Uh, I'm recommending a movie called Good Time, and I like this movie a lot. It stars Robert Pattinson, and it's directed by uh, the Safdie brothers, the same directors that did uh, Uncut Gems, and Good Time, like, the reason why I recommend this movie is because when I watched this movie, but when I watched it before, you know, Robert Pattinson was uh, announced as Batman, like, before I watched it, like, if I wouldn't have seen Good Time, I would have been like everybody else. Like, what are y'all doing, like, casting Robert Pattinson as Batman? If anybody is curious to know why Robert Pattinson is a great fit for Batman, check out this movie, Good Time. It's a it's a fantastic movie. Um, it's a very fast-paced movie. It's a weird, it could get weird at some time, at some points, but it's just a damn good movie. And this is what put the Safety Brothers on the map and got them to be able to get cleared to do the Uncut Gems movie, which was critically acclaimed. But yeah, Good Time is just extraordinary acting. It's very fun. It's fast-paced. It's on Netflix. I think everybody should check it out. Robert Pattinson is great in it. And Robert Pattinson, he's, he's a talented actor, man. Like, anybody that got a problem with him as Batman, check out Good Time, you know, and check out some other of his movies. You'll be surprised how good of an actor he is. Okay, well, I never actually heard of this. I've genuinely never heard of this, but I pulled it up while you were talking about it. Uh, it's a crime thriller, and Robert Pattinson looks intense in these screenshots that I'm seeing, by the way. Yeah, it's very so, intense. Uh, yeah, yeah so. that's interesting. I never. I'm, thanks for recommending that. I'm glad that we have this segment where we can shout out just something that you can stream right now. So uh, a yeah, lot of deep sure. cuts that I like for these recommendations and stuff. So uh, we'll definitely keep on bringing them on week to week here. Uh, let's go ahead and move on uh, to new releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So I actually, um, I tend to do this a lot now when I realize that I missed a new release. Uh, I think it might be like a, a recurring theme because these <laughs> things just, you know, like, I, I, like week to week, I keep saying, oh, this came out last week. Because I, this wasn't on my radar, but I found out about it when researching the show for, for like the charts and stuff or whatever, right? Uh, so the first one is actually, uh, I talked about it on Netflix and show, the number eight uh, trending thing was Space Sweepers. The reason why um, it's really uh, interesting when I'm pulling up the, like, the Netflix charts is that like Netflix would automatically play a trailer when you're hovering over uh, a specific title. And so when I was looking at Space Sweepers, um, it actually debuted this past Friday on February 5th on Netflix, and it became like the number five or the number eight thing on, on Netflix. And the, the trailer got, got my attention, and I I think I might want to watch it. Um, it's in Korea, uh, it's in Korean, but there's also some Spanish. There's some English being spoken in the movie. There's subtitles, obviously, but it's a Korean blockbuster. It's uh, it says starring uh, Song Joon Ki, Kim Tre Ri, Jin Seon Kyu, and Yu Hae Jin. Probably messed up those names, but I see these names. I don't don't any don't know any of these actors, but it's regarded as the first Korean space blockbuster, and it was released on Netflix on February 5th. And the synopsis reads. After snatching a crashed space shuttle in the latest uh, debris chase, Spaceship Victory's crew members find a seven-year-old girl inside. They realize that she's the human-like robot wanted by the UTS space guards and decide to uh, demand a ransom in exchange. So this movie is like obviously set in space and there's some cool things going on it looks very much like a live action anime in the in certain senses like the the trailer uh you just got to check out the trailer i'm this the synopsis does not really do the movie justice but yeah like the space crew is just 
you know, cleaning up debris and they open a hatch and then they find a little girl inside. And then it turns out the little girl's a robot. And then they're just like a whole plot ensues after that. Um, I feel like I want to check it out. I'm glad that this Netflix chart, you know, brought this to my attention. Um, it, it was a new release and, uh, the next two releases are actually coming up this coming Friday. Uh, this one's a Netflix release, and it's a uh, it's apparently a, a, the third and final movie, presumably final movie, in a trilogy, which never heard of this series. It's called To All the Boys, Always and Forever. It's like some rom, some sappy rom drama kind of thing. It's coming on Netflix this Friday. It says senior year of high school takes center stage as Laura Jean returns from a family trip to Korea and considers her college plans with and without Peter. And it says, uh, To All the Boys, Always and Forever, Forever is an upcoming American teen romantic comedy film directed by Michael Femogarni uh, and starring Lana Condor and Noah uh, Centennial. The film is based on Jenny Han's 2017 novel, Always and Forever, Lara Jean, and is a sequel to All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You from 2020, and a third and final installment in the To All the Boys, I Loved series of films. So... Okay, uh, you can watch that on Netflix this Friday. But uh, for me, the pick of the week is going to be Judas and the Black Messiah. It's coming out in theaters as well as HBO Max. This coming Friday, it's the story of Fred Hampton, uh, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party and his faithful betrayal betrayal by the FBI informant William O'Neill. So this is a little synopsis that I actually picked up from Wikipedia. It's a bit long, but hear me out here. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is a 2021 American biographical drama film directed and produced by Shaka King from a, a screenplay written by King and Will Burson based on the story by King, Burson, and Kenny and Keith Lucas. Based in Chicago, the film details the betrayal of Fred Hampton, who's played by uh, Daniel uh, Kaluuya which is, uh, he's the actor from Get Out as well as uh, the Black Panther movies. Uh, chairman of the Black Panther Party, ha, huh, that's an interesting little tidbit there, ha. Huh? Uh, not the same Black Panther. Um, in the late 1960s, at the hands of William O'Neill, uh, Lakeith Stanfield and FBI informant Jesse Plemons, uh, Dominique uh, Fishback, Ashton Sanders, Daryl Brett Gibson, Lil Ray Howery, Algie Smith, and Martin Sheen also star. Um, so... The uh, film had its premiere in the 2021 Film Festival, the Sundance Film Festival, and it's scheduled for a simultaneous release in the U.S. on February 12th, simultaneously in theaters and digitally on HBO Max. So, uh, of the three picks, uh, what's what's got your most uh, what's got your attention here? Uh, yeah, the the one you just read, man, that sounds fascinating. I'm, I, you know, and that's coming out in theaters, right? Yeah. Judas and the what is it called? Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that one out for sure. You know that that's right up my alley as a movie fan that I am. So, oh, you're not yeah, gonna that, watch it on HBO Max? Uh, no, uh, no. I, I mean, I, I'm a movie. I'm, I'm a movie theater. Guy. I'm gonna support <laughs> the movie theaters unless it's a situation where I can't or something like that. But if Fair I enough. can, I'm gonna try to see it in theaters for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah because you know, like he's uh, he's uh, betraying you know somebody. So yeah, it's like it's a it's a drama. It's set in the 1960s. He's infiltrating the Black Panther Party and trying to get close to him and you know snitch on him and stuff. So yeah, that's a it's a very interesting drama and like uh, there's not been much marketing for this movie and um, I'm surprised that they're just putting this out in theaters with no like 
giant marketing push. Um, well, I'm not really surprised. I think with a lot of these movies coming to HBO Max, I think they're they're you know taking the Netflix approach. You know, Netflix don't really market a lot of their stuff. They just drop it. You know, and they understand that people are on Netflix just looking for stuff to watch anyway. And I think like I feel like personally, I think that they they feel like they're wasting their money if they put a lot of marketing into a lot of the stuff that's just going to come out free on HBO Max. You see what I mean? So I think that's why we're seeing this current trend of, oh, this movie's just coming out. No marketing. Oh, this movie's just coming out. No marketing. <laughs> well, because back in the day, that I would be like a purpose. death knell for the movie because everyone would be like, damn, they must not have any faith in this movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, like for me, like I'm, I'm more, I'm the most, my pick of the week actually is actually going to be space sweepers. I know it was last week's pick, but, or should have been last week's pick, but after watching the trailer, like I'm actually kind of amped to see this movie. Um, mm. so, uh, it's got, it's got some funny bits to it. It's got action it's got some intrigue. So for me, like that's more interesting for me than, than, a than, a a, a bio biography drama which again i'm like not going to say that it's not going to be interesting because i know i know uh daniel uh how do you say his name Cal is it kaluuya I think, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. I know he's a perform. He's a phenomenal actor. We've seen his talent, you know, shine before. So, I'm sure it's going to be interesting. And you know, but um, be, you know, uh, the difference between Space Sweepers and Judas and the Black Messiah is I've seen a trailer for one of them. So that's why yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. That's why I'm gonna give it the pick to to Space Sweepers. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to our final segment of the day. <laughs> sharing the love that's our first time we're debuting that audio <laughs> that little I audio like that. i like that <laughs> uh, yeah so it's kind of interesting because i should have had that audio bit ready for the very first episode of of this podcast because we did sharing the love and i gave a shout out to the lion king as my first pick for sharing the oh, love yeah, and that, that, would've, that would've been perfect that would have been hella perfect um, you dropped the ball with that one, Louie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my, my pick this week is actually going to be a little-known movie um, starring Christian Bale when he was a child actor. Um, it's called Empire of the Empire Sun. Empire of the Sun. Oh, good pick. Have you Directed seen this movie? Directed by Steven Spielberg. I like that one. Yeah. Have you seen it? Or did you just Google oh, yeah. it just now? No, no, no. i definitely seen that before. There's no way I could have Googled that that fast. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it came out in 1988, which was the same year I was born. Um, I ended up watching it, like, years later, like, in, in high school. Like, one of the things that I, I love about, like, HBO is, like, sometimes they would just get, like, a random rights to a movie and just air it. Um, and, like, when I was in high school... Um, I would just watch HBO. I'd just be flipping channels and just watching stuff on HBO. Empire of the Sun came on on HBO, mm. and uh, I watched it like when I was at home, and it really had my attention the whole time. Like I was like I had like I was just glued to the TV. Um, yeah. I watched it a second time. Uh, I, I went and like looked at the guide listing for when it was gonna air again. And I took my VCR and like my VH, a blank VHS tape, and I recorded the movie from beginning to end. Like I just hit record on it. And, um, and I was in ninth grade at the time. And during ninth grade, during the lunch break, there was like a teacher that would open up her classroom to let students hang out and eat lunch there. And what would, uh, what would we often do is we would watch movies like bit by bit. So our lunch break being like only 45 minutes long or something, we would basically watch movies like 40 minutes at a time where, um, you know, certain class 
people in the in the room are there to watch the movie and eat and some are there to socialize and eat you know like the class the classroom would sort of be di divided by the people closest to the TV there to watch the movie and the other people furthest away from the TV just to talk to their friends and mo most of the times that's usually how it is the movie would be um, you know playing and people were just sort of chit-chatting there's not a whole lot of attention being you know paid to the TV uh, there's noise in the room kind of thing uh, but I like brought the movie I brought my v my VHS tape uh, to the classroom and said, yo, we y'all guys need to check out this movie. And so I played the movie and I believe it might have been the only movie that entire like school year where the everyone in that classroom shut the fuck up and watched the movie. <laughs> like that's how good yeah. that movie was. Yeah, and that movie is phenomenal. Godly, what a great movie. Yeah, so I I really like got to give it up to Christian Bale. Like he's he's been, you know, a, he's been acting since before I was born and you know, that's how good I'm actually. I mean, actor. it's crazy cuz if you watch that, you just see his potential as a superstar. Like he's so good even as a kid. It's like, man, and it's one scene, it's a scene in the movie where it's like where it, it it basically it hits him that like all this stuff you know has been going on like it's kind of you know the hardships he's going through through the movie it, it's uh it's been affecting him but it's like a one particular scene where like it hits him you can you see know? the miles on his face you know yeah yeah and he, he he starts crying i believe we see him cry for the first time like he finally almost breaks and you know christian bell's performance in that scene is like Damn, man, for a kid? <laughs> you knew he was going to win an Oscar one day. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of, I, 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 I've, I've, I've talked to this movie about other, with other people that we, we know in real life and stuff, and they never heard of it before. And I've been meaning to, sh uh, to, uh, to show this movie. That, uh, I'm talking about Tony specifically. You know, I showed Tony like the Blu-ray I have of it because uh, I went and found it on Blu-ray. Um, and I, so I have a special edition Blu-ray of it. Um, and I, I feel like I want to watch it again, like, you know, sometime yeah, soon. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely definitely one of spielberg's lesser known movies and i don't know why because it's a fantastic movie but like he's more you know you know the stuff he's known for but for some reason you know empire kind of goes under the radar true but uh what's actually kind of funny i feel like there was like a I, I don't i don't remember if this was a fake memory or whatever but apparently there was a there was like a like a like a tv show called street smarts or whatever and uh, I, I, I might, it might have been a different show, but basically they were interviewing like random people on the streets or whatever, and they were asking people like, "Oh, what's your what's your favorite movie?" And then the guy says, "Empire of the Sun," and the guy misheard him and said, "Oh, Empire Strikes Back." Or I'm like, "What the <laughs> fuck, like, dude?" Uh, yeah, but um, <laughs> so I, I, that, and I don't, I guess um, uh, it's also starring John Malkovich, by the way, and that's really interesting that you know he was, you know, upstaging like the, you know the great John Malkovich, um, yeah. and then. Just to give a like a general like uh, I'm gonna give a very brief synopsis. I guess just to give you guys a little teaser, it's um, definitely uh, it's better to just watch the movie without knowing too much. I feel like that's like when you have a high quality movie like that, you just let the quality speak for itself. Um, but the movie is about Christian Bale's character. You know, he's uh, he's in Japan. Uh, no, he's in China, I believe. His character is living in China because his parents are working there. But then Japan like invades China and they start taking like civilians as prisoners and they and then his character is stuck inside a prison camp and then he's just living his life. Um, it's kind of like a it, it takes place over the course of many years and uh, you know you you see him you know just struggling through you know trying to get through the situation you know 
and yeah, uh, that's all I really wanted to say about the plot. Um, I just wanted to tell that little interesting story about how I got an entire classroom full of like, you know, teenagers to, to appreciate a drama, you know, uh, bit by bit as we watched it during our lunch break. Um, yeah, it's, cool. one of my, it's one of my favorite stories there. But yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, get to the end here. It's time to end. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Troy. Bracey Troy 58 So don't, for, don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye.